When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Today's episode is sponsored by Bear Attack Boxing, providers of high-quality boxing equipment. And today, I want to talk about the Power Focus Pads. Now, they are focus pads that are ideal for training your boxing students and also for boxing training as well. They've got extra thickness and they're very, very shock-absorbent. This pad is ideal for getting them big hooks, big right crosses, the big uppercuts, the great selection of shots thrown by fighters. So guys, go over and check them out at www.bearattackboxing.co.uk. Go and check out their new product, which is the Power Focus Pads. Only $24.99. Get over there, check them out. Check them out on social media at Bear Attack Boxing on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Fight fans to another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast with myself, your host, Sean Basto. And on today's episode is the preview for Anthony Joshua versus Andy Ruiz Jr. Plus, we'll also be talking about the undercard, which is stacked with British fighters, including Callum Smith, Josh Kelly, Tommy Coyle, Katie Taylor. Going to be a great undercard, going to be a great event. Really excited to be talking about it. But before we get into the episode, guys, I want you to go over and check us out on the social media, on Twitter at BTR Boxing Pod and Facebook at BTR Boxing Podcast. If you've not subscribed to us, go and find us on Podbean, Apple Podcast. Player FM, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, we're everywhere. Go on there, find us, leave us a rating, leave us a review. It's really, really appreciated. Also, give us some comments, give us some recommendations on the Facebook page. All of this is really appreciated and it really does help grow the podcast to where we want it to be. So let's get into it then, guys. This is it. It's the weekend of Anthony Joshua, Andy Ruiz Jr. And I think my first initial thoughts about the whole 
event this weekend is, is that this wasn't really the fight we were expecting. Was it the fight we wanted? No. But it's the fight we're getting. So we've got to respect that Anthony Joshua is going in there and he's just... No matter what people say about him, about his past, about him now, about him you know, potentially ducking fighters, you've got to respect the fact that the man will just take on anybody that's thrown in front of him. Whether we agree with the opponents he's going in with or not, we're not the ones handling his career, we're not the ones strategically planning out what what's next for the next five years for Anthony Joshua, we're the fans, we're the guys that want to see certain fights happen. And as we know, a lot of politics goes on in boxing, and it is all about money as well. So you've got to you've got to kind of take these factors into consideration when objectively trying to talk about fights like this, fights that we wasn't expecting to really see. But let's get let's get into it then. So as always on these episodes, we do the previews. We talk about both men's careers going into the fight. We talk about how the build-up's been for the fight, and then we're going to talk about breakdown and predictions for the fight as well. Plus, as I said at the start of the episode, got quite a few British fighters in action on this card, so quite a lot to cover really in, in this episode today. So, let me start then. Let me start with Andy Ruiz Jr., the challenger, the guy that's looking to try and dethrone Anthony Joshua this weekend. What do we really know? about Andy Ruiz Jr. as a fighter. We know that he's been in with Joseph Parker and fought for a world title a couple of years ago. We know that. We know he got defeated to Joseph Parker on a majority decision three years ago. But what else do we know about Andy Ruiz Jr. looking at him? I think you've got to look at what fights he's been involved with and the, the level of fighters he's been involved with to look at where his career is really at at the moment. Now, it's interesting when you look over his career over the past few years, you see a few names on there that are recognisable to, to probably a lot of fans. So you've got Sergei Lyakovich, the old heavyweight contender. We've got Rafael Zambano. I'm pretty sure he fought Joshua at one point. We've got Ray Austin. We've got Joseph Parker, Kevin Johnson, and in his last fight, Alexander Dimitrenko. So, yes... We've got quite a few names on there that are recognisable that are either former world title challenges or fringe level, world level fighters. So what has his what has his apprenticeship been like going into a Joshua fight? Obviously, he's nowhere near as, as good as what Joshua's is as of recently. So this automatically makes him a huge underdog going into this fight with Joshua, given the fact that looking at his record, I don't think he's had enough high quality and high level operators to be able to to, to, to you know to be able to give be given that chance against Joshua. What have I noticed in the fights against these guys though with Andy Ruiz Jr.? Yes, he doesn't look like your average typical heavyweight. His his physique isn't what you expect out of a heavyweight boxer, and that's because you see guys like Anthony Joshua, who's a specimen of a man. You know, you can't really compete with the way that guy's grown and and the muscle, and he looks like a bodybuilder. And people do slight him for for, for looking that way, but he looks like a consummate professional. Whereas you look at Andy Ruiz, people are taking the piss because obviously he doesn't look like a boxer he looks like a guy that's overweight he looks like a guy that's you know i don't know how best to describe him but the thing is the guy has proven in the ring regardless of what you think about his opponents he's proven in the ring that he is a quality operator does he deserve this shot at the world title? Not necessarily, but it was what they found. It was who they found. It was who was ranked highly enough to be able to justify putting him in for a world title shot because he is going in there to fight for the IBF, the IBO, the WBA Super and the WBO World Heavyweight titles. Now, obviously, the ranking and governing bodies 
are, are accepting the fact that he's a he's a worthwhile challenger. I know politics obviously gets involved in stuff in the background as well, and you know some people don't agree that Rui should be sharing the wing with him. But there was nobody there was nobody else really that you could have justified and legitimately sold to the public that could go in there because the thing is Deontay Wilder was tied up with Brazil, Tyson Fury's tied up with Tom Schwartz. So they're the two big names you want to see him in the ring with, but they're tied up, so who else was you going to get? Jarrell Miller obviously failed the test, so you weren't going to get him because he's now banned. So who else? I mean, answer me that. Who else would you have put him in the ring with? Because I honestly can't find any other legitimate world heavyweight contenders where you can honestly say they had a resume behind him, they had some legitimate wins behind them, to be able to go in there straight away and fight Anthony Joshua. Jarrell Muller was the only other guy, even though I didn't think he'd fought that many credible opponents. But yet, he was the guy who was ranked highly enough to be given the shot. So, going off on a little bit of a tangent here, going back to Ruiz then, what I have seen about Ruiz is that he has got really, really fast hands for a heavyweight. Whether that will play into his factor on the night is another question and something I'll talk about a little bit later on down the line, but he's no slouch, put it that way. I think that's what I want to sum this up by saying. The guy isn't a slouch, the guy's got one loss on his record. He, he's, he's been in the ring 33 times, one loss on his record. Yes, okay, a lot of the guys you won't know who he's fought because, you know, they've got very small 50-50 records and as, as he's gone throughout his career... I think one of the notable things about Andy Ruiz Jr. is that he has actually had some good level of opposition. It's not the greatest level of opposition. It's not ideal for a, a fight with Anthony Joshua. However, he still had that level of opposition to legitimately say he can he can give himself a shot at going for Anthony Joshua. And who knows? Who knows? He might get a lucky punch. You never, never know in boxing. It's just one of them things. I know I'm probably speaking too highly, maybe, of him and you know giving him too much of a chance here, but I've got to be objective with the situation. The thing is, there's no point in me sitting here and saying Anthony Joshua is going to win and that's it because there'll be no podcast to talk about, would there? Do you know what I mean? I've got to give the guy a legitimate justification for for why he's there and and also why he's got an opportunity and also what he can actually bring to the table so he has got fast hands he does plod forward a little bit too much for my liking which makes me think he's a little bit tailor-made for for Anthony Joshua however he's he's a Mexican-American guy who's he's obviously you know he is a guy that for me is a tough typical Mexican-American fighter and it, it won't really do him any favours on the night, I don't think, but it's a guy that's going to go in there and probably try and give it his all as much as he possibly can, and you've got to respect the fact that he's trying. I mean, looking at the build-up this week of, of Andy Ruiz, you know, he look, he does look like a bit of a fan, and he does look like a guy potentially who's maybe a little bit starstruck and, and possibly out of his depth a little bit here because he's not been on this level before, but you've got to give the guy respect for, for going in there and, and trying, and that's what I think about this situation. You can't not give him respect. So Joshua then, talk about Joshua. I followed Joshua's career from day one, so this is quite an easy conversation to have and, and an easy chat to have about him. Recently, for Joshua, over the past 
12 months, we've seen him fight Joseph Parker and Alexander Povetkin um, twice, obviously, get the victories over them two guys. But for Joshua, it's about solidifying his status in the world now with this fight with Ruiz Jr. And as I said earlier, although it's not the opponent people want to see him in with, and they want to see the Wilders and the Furies, he's going over to America to try and win over the American audience, trying to show that he is, you know, a heavyweight champion of the world and not just a British fighter coming over and nobody recognises the guy's name. When I look back on history and I look back at guys that have have been champions and British fighters that have been champions in particular, one name that springs out to mind to me is Lennox Lewis. Now, Lennox Lewis obviously went... He was born in Britain, went over to Canada, fought in the Olympics for Canada, got himself a little bit of a reputation already from doing well in the Olympics and then fought a lot of his fights in Britain and ended up transitioning over to the USA. He did already have a little bit of a reputation when he went to the USA to start fighting. With Joshua, he hasn't. He's just, you know, people just know him as another English heavyweight. That's what people know him as. So he's going over there in New York City on Saturday night to to, to fight a guy who's a Mexican-American who's probably more well-known than Joshua is over there. And he wants to solidify his status as a world champion, you know. And I say that in in the respect of that, what people know him over in America. America's one of the biggest places for boxing in the world. Let's admit it. Britain's booming at the moment, but America's always been the granddaddy of it all. Some of the biggest fights in history have all took place in America. So for Joshua, it's about getting himself over there, getting himself fully known to people, getting himself solidified because eventually he will fight Deontay Wilder. I do believe that fight will happen at some point. So he needs to be completely legitimised in the American fans' audiences for it to, to, to be just as big of a seller. I think it will sell anyway, to be honest. I don't think that be being a problem. But, you know, this is about trying to get himself to solidify himself as a genuine world champion and known to the world. I don't know what other people's perceptions are of Anthony Joshua in different parts of the world, but I think he is starting to slowly transition over to a global superstar, and this is part of doing that, and this is part of business, and you know, this is essentially a, a business a business perspective deal where we're expecting him to go in there and do a number on Ruiz, but in the same sense, give himself you know that, that exposure to the American audiences that I'm not saying they've not seen him before, but I'm saying that they're actually going to be able to see him in the flesh now, and see him fight in the flesh and get get some more airtime in America and this is it's all about business it's all about putting that stamp on on the American audience and and then putting themselves forward for future fights over there so going back to then Joshua's fights with Parker and Povetkin he handled them both quite well you know with Parker he went 12 rounds and Parker couldn't really get near Joshua in that fight at all and it was very difficult for Parker that night Joshua just kept him kept him at the end of the jab all night and it was he made it easy for himself it wasn't exciting to watch but he made it easy so you've got again you've got to give respect to the guy who's using his physical advantages to, to, to beat a guy who had no choice but to try and get on the inside. Parker looked a little bit defeated after the first half of that fight, I will admit that. But in the Povetkin fight, it was a little bit different because Povetkin, we knew that Povetkin would have to start fast, start early, because if he didn't, you know, he was going to he was gonna, he was gonna be, you know, get beat quite earlier on. But he actually started pretty early in the fight, and for me, he, he got a little bit of success. I think he clocked Joshua with a, with a left or a right in one of the earlier rounds of the fight and you know this is what I was kind of expecting from Povetkin he's going to give it a go 
but eventually his sort of plodding come forward style is gonna is gonna play into Joshua's hands quite easily. So they're the two fights that Joshua's had leading up into this Ruiz Jr. fight. Great resume. You've got to admit this guy's got a great resume, regardless of what people think about it. You know, he he's he's been in with the likes of Dillian White, who's now pushing for that world title. He's been in with Charles Martin, who was a bit of a joke champion, and then he's been in with Brazil, who we've seen going against Wilder and work his way back up to a world title level. Eric Molina, Vladimir Klitschko, epic fight. Carlos Takam, legitimate world level fighter. Joseph Park, Alexander Povetkin. What people forget about Anthony Joshua's career today, and I'll always remind people of this at this stage because he's still only he still only had 22 fights. Only 22 fights. Some heavyweights don't even get an opportunity at a world title until they're like 25 fights in. Sometimes 26, sometimes 27, maybe more. You've got to remember, Anthony Joshua won the world title what was it, about 17, 18 fights in? Maybe six, maybe 16, I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, but you've got to remember he won that fight, a world title in a fight, earlier on. So he's had the last six, seven fights to really start to own his craft a little bit more, gain more experiences, different challenges. That For me, that's got to be respected. That's got to be a respected decision by his coach, Rob McCracken. It's got to be a respected decision by Eddie Hearn, putting him and promoting him that way and giving him the opportunity to to also hone his craft throughout the last few fights. I, I personally think, this is my opinion on the situation, regardless of what people say about him, I think he's had a, a really good apprenticeship going in to where he's at at the moment because he has faced fighters of all different levels, he's faced fighters with all different types of experiences and it is just preparing him for eventually being in the ring with guys like Deontay Wilder, guys like Tyson Fury. He needs this he needs this to get himself in a position where he's totally 100% ready for everything they've got to bring. Because if he didn't, and he went in there and he lost, people are going to say, Oh well, he he didn't have the he didn't have the right level of opponents going into that fight. You've got you've got to look at it now. He he's getting that right level of opponents. He's getting that apprenticeship. This fight with Ruiz, it isn't the fight we wanted to see. We wanted to see Miller, an undefeated fighter, an undefeated brash American. But the Fat Burger tested positive on three separate occasions. That's his own bloody fault. That is its own fault. So you now you've got to look at who else is next, and Ruiz is the next guy in line who's available at this point. So moving on to then the breakdown of the fight, keys to victory. It's I think it's pretty self-explanatory, really. I'm not going to teach people how to suck eggs in this one because I honestly think that when you look at how this fight will go down, you look at a guy who looks a little bit overweight against a guy who's a supreme athlete going in again. <laughs> it just looks like a little bit of a mismatch when you look at it. Now, they've both weighed in and I've had the opportunity to see it. Yeah, Ruiz looks a little bit better shape than what I've seen him in in some of the pictures, but you look at Joshua, he just, he just looks... It looks like a cruiserweight in Andy Ruiz against a prime heavyweight in Anthony Joshua. That's what it looks like looking on the scales. And that is exactly how I think it will lead into to, to victory on the night. I think looking at Andy Ruiz, he looks a little bit too small for Anthony Joshua. He looks a little bit... Body-wise, he's like he just doesn't have that sort of broadness to him. He looks like a cruiserweight. He really does. You could see Andy Ruiz fighting a Tony Bellew at cruiserweight level. 
because he looks like a cruiserweight. He really does, even though the scales tell us different, he really does look like a, a smaller guy for heavyweight. So, for me, keys to victory for a reason. It's going to be really difficult. He's going to have to get on the inside. He's got fast hands. We know that. We know he's got really, really fast hands. Could he surprise Joshua by getting on the inside? Possibly. Possibly. But he's got to get to the inside. That's the issue. He's got to be able to, you know, make sure he doesn't get into Joshua's range. It's going to be difficult trying to slip the jab, trying to roll underneath and trying to get in and trying to throw a few of them fast hands in and get out. The thing is, he's not known for his footwork. He's not known for his lateral movement, Ruiz. He's known for a guy that that will come forward and and meet you in the middle of the ring. And that would suit Joshua down to a T because Joshua's got that reach and height advantage to to throw the one-two straight down the pipe. So for Ruiz, he he needs to get on the inside. He needs to try and slip the jab. He needs head movement. If he's not going to use the lateral movement and he is going to plod forward, he's going to really have to adopt a a, a real great sense of, of head movement and, and try and slip underneath if he can't do that then there's only one way the fight's going to go for me Joshua's going to make can make this easy for himself he's a big guy he's got the reach he's got the height physical advantages if he knows that this guy's going to come forward at him it's just a case of timing really timing that one too timing the shots as Ruiz comes in making sure he doesn't leave himself open making making himself sure that he, he doesn't give the opportunity for Ruiz to get into range to get the shots off so I do believe that you know Anthony Joshua can make this fight very very easy for himself now in terms of predictions for this fight you've probably judged by the way I've spoke about it that I can kind of only see this going one way and I'll be honest I can I can only see a Joshua win I can only see a Joshua stoppage I can see a Joshua stoppage probably within six rounds maybe I'm saying that's you know quite adventurous but I do I do see Ruiz going a good few rounds you know I think he's tough I think he's a tough guy I think once he's tasted a little bit of Joshua's power he's probably going to back off a little bit maybe go into survival mode and then it'll be down to Joshua to maybe chase the fight a little bit more but I do see him landing a straight one-two combination and hurting Andy Ruiz Jr. and then finishing it off with a, a good hook, uh, left hook, right cross combination. I think it'll be, uh, I think it'll be lights out for Andy Ruiz on Saturday night. I think it'll be a good debut in America for Anthony Joshua. I think he'll get the plaudits for it. I think then everybody will want to talk about the potential fights with Wilder and Fury. So that that's where we are with this fight. This is what I think Joshua's going to win within six rounds on this one. So what about the rest of the card then? The card itself is stacked to the rafters with British fighters. There's a lot of British fighters on this card. And obviously with it being uh, at a, a matchroom zone, Eddie Hearn, card you you expected it didn't you really but it's quite interesting that we've got some a lot of our guys on there that are really looking to push forward in the careers and i think the next fight i want to talk about is a fight that i don't believe is getting the exposure it deserves and it's katie taylor versus delphine pearson now this is for all the recognized world titles in the female lightweight division this is an absolute historic fight for women's boxing like Clarissa Shields and Christina Hammer a few weeks ago this is another epic fight more so for Katie Taylor because she will make history if she wins this title 
on Saturday night to add to the three titles that she's already carrying against Delphine Pearson, who's only lost once in her career. But Katie Taylor, this is a 14th professional fight. You know, I know the depths of the women's division aren't that great, but to be going into your 14th fight, fighting to win the fourth and final world title in your weight category after already holding three of them, it's a feat that I don't know. I don't know if it'll ever be matched again in in the next twenty years or so. Delphine Pearson's forty three and one. She's got a, a very very good respectable record. She's been a champion for quite a long time now, and she hasn't really had the tests that she. I think she may have needed to to go in against a talent like Katie Taylor. The thing is, she's been a professional for ten years this year. And she's, like I said earlier, the depths of the female division haven't been that fantastic and they're only really started to, to get better as the last two or three, or well, maybe five years have gone on. And as time's gone on, she's only been able to beat what's put in front of her. And that really sums it up for me, to be honest with you, uh, of Delphine Pearson's career. If you look at if you look at Katie Taylor, now they've, they've given her a really good apprenticeship going into this fight, I think. I think with Katie Taylor, she's she's been in there with some great fighters. She's been in there with some great fighters of the female division to date. I mean, you look at the Jessica McCaskill win, look at what Jessica McCaskill is doing now. She's really pushing her career on the forward. So, she's, you know, she was a great fighter. I think I think Vivian Albanoff is, is quite a good fighter in her second fight. I think if you look at that, I think she dispatched to Tata Jonas. You know, that was a quite emphatic win for Albanoff. So, Albanoff's a pretty good name. McCaskill was a good name on her record. Uh, Cindy Serrano, even though she wasn't the <laughs> the Serrano that we all wanted to see her in with, she's still uh, a quality operator. And if you look at the way Katie Taylor's just been picking up titles in the last five, six fights, it's to me, it's, it's unbelievable what she's done in her career so far, and it's got to be applauded. And I do see her winning this world title. I do see her become uh, see her become the WBC champion along with the IBF, WBN, WBO, and I think that's history making. I think we've got to. We've got to give that some respect to, to what she's achieved. And if you've not seen that documentary on Netflix about Katie Taylor, please go and watch it because it's, it's an unbelievable rags to riches story. And I, I really respect what they've done with her and I really respect you know what she's done as a fighter. She's really coming to her own. And I, I think she's going to be someone to be remembered for a very, very long time. So that fight's on the card. We've also got Callum Smith. He's also in there. He is defending WBA Super Super Middleweight title, WBC Diamond Super Middleweight title on the line there against Hassan and Dam. So he's got his first defense now in the Super Middleweight division. We've we want to see Callum Smith push on now. We want to see him in a big fight. There's a lot of talk of him fighting Canelo somewhere down the line. But he's got to get past Hassan and Dam on Saturday night. Hassan and Dam, you, you know Hassan and Dam. He's a he's a well known name. He, he's he's more. He's fought his career more at middleweight, so he's moved up to super super middleweight for this. I, I, I'm leaving that silence in there because you can kind of think to yourself if he's spent most of his career at middleweight and he's jumping up at this stage of his career, it, it only means that really he is only jumping up now at this point in his career because he's coming to the end of his career now and he's not making maybe not making the weight as good anymore at, at middle weight and he, he's jumping up for the opportunity that's as simple as that he's a name he's known he beat martin murray uh, in 2018 in december yeah, he's beat uh, rayota Murata, who's the wba champion um and then he lost to Murata in a rematch so you've got to look at the fact that yeah hassan and dan was a middleweight champion and he lost that middleweight title he then went in martin murray quite recently 
and now he's jumping up to fight Callum Smith, who, Callum Smith, you know, he could be a bona fide light heavyweight fighter, and I think he will eventually. I, I don't see this fight going any more, any more ways than, than Callum Smith probably stopping Undam. I mean, Undam, don't get me wrong, he's a, he's a brilliant fighter, at his own, in the middleweight division, but he's stepping up to super middleweight to fight a guy who essentially looks like a light heavyweight, and... The way Callum Smith dismantled George Groves was something to behold, really. I mean, people were wondering whether Callum Smith would be next level and obviously beat Eric Scogland in the World Boxing Super Series, beat Holskin, who was obviously a kickboxer, as we know, and then he beat George Groves, and George Groves, for me at this point, was on a real career resurgence. So, uh, you know, when he dismantled of Groves the way he did last September, it made me really look at Callum Smith and think, actually, you know, I've been waiting for this for Smith's career. I've been waiting for a real defining defining win, and that was it for me. And now he goes in against Undam on Saturday night. I can't see this going any which way but a Callum Smith win and a Callum Smith stoppage on the night. So, yeah, good luck to Callum. Hopefully we'll get to see him in these big fights and these super fights soon. Lots of talk of either a fight with Kolovkin at Anfield or a fight with Canelo, which could potentially happen at, at Anfield as well. That'll be a real interesting feat if that happens. So, who else is on the card then this week? weekend Joshua Barazzi making his US debut against Marco Antonio Periban now good fight for Barazzi but again he's fighting a guy who's mainly fought his career in the super middleweight division so I think it's really much of the same really you've got a guy whose last fight was two years ago against uh, Avril Yildirim and he lost that fight in unanimous decision in 2017 so he's coming off a two year layoff to fight Boatsy who's in fantastic form who beat Liam Conroy for the British title not long ago this year and now he's going to make his American debut. Again, I can only see this fight going one way. Although Buatz only had 10 fights and Perry Bands had 30 fights. I think Perry Bands coming to the end of his career. He's moving up to light heavyweight for this one. It's two years layoff as well. So do the math really. I think it's quite obvious that Buatz is being put on here to me to, to look good to the US audience. Uh, and beat a respectable name and put that on his record as well. Who else is on the card then? Josh Kelly against Ray Robinson. No, not Sugar Ray Robinson, of course. Ray Robinson. So this is for the WBA International Welterweight title. So this is a way of getting Josh Kelly up them WBA rankings in the welterweight division and judging off obviously Josh Kelly's last fight a lot of people were they were disimpressed with his performance against the undefeated uh, Ranoski. I think people slated him a lot I, I wasn't really overly impressed by his performance against Ranoski. to be honest with you I felt like there was no need for the showboating in that fight there was no need for the arrogance in that fight I think he maybe could have put that fight away sooner he won it by unanimous decision but I think he could have put Ranoski away, if I'm being totally honest with you, if he wasn't dicking around too much trying to be a show-off. And that was the only disappointing part of the fight for me, really, was was that. And a lot of people went on Twitter and Facebook to, to share the same same things about him. I felt like it was uh, wasn't the greatest, you know, Josh Kelly we've seen. But again, does he rise to the level of opponent? I think that's what we've got to consider when it comes to Josh Kelly. Will he rise to the level of opponent when he fights a guy who's had 28 fights in Ray Robinson, a guy who's obviously well known to, to the American audiences. Uh, his last his last fight, he had a draw, uh, a majority draw. This is Ray Robinson, by the way, I'm still talking about. Against a guy whose name I'm not even going to try and pronounce. He was 21-0, which uh, arguably by all accounts was uh, you know 
a real, real good fight between the two and a real good opportunity for Ray Robinson to, to put himself a bit further back. He's got. He's also been in there uh, with Ugas. You know Ugas as well, uh, Jordanis Ugas. He lost to Jordanis Ugas. And he's lost a couple of decisions earlier on in his career. One being to Brad Solomon and one being to Sean Porter. So he has got experience of being in with world-level fighters. Obviously, Sean Porter's you know, now a world champion but this was many moons ago when Ray Robinson fought him. So it's going to be experience against youth here. And I think what we're going to see is we're going to see Josh Kelly go in there, probably look good on his debut in America, probably look like the flashy boxer that we know of and probably get go through. I, I expect him to, to to get a decision over him. I don't know why I'm thinking oh, it'll, be, it'll be a unanimous decision over Ray Robinson. I just get the feeling it'll go the distance and I don't know why. Maybe it's because of the way he conducted in his last fight. Maybe I feel like he's, you know, not everybody's going to succumb to the speed and the flashiness of him and people that have got the experience like a Ray Robinson might actually give him more rounds and, which is good for Josh Kelly's career to be honest with you. I think there's nothing but good can come of that when you need to get the rounds under your belt and you need to start getting the more experiences under your belt so I think it'll be a a good test for him to be honest with you also on this card Tommy Coyle is back (laughs) against Chris Algieri which is an interesting fight for Tommy Coyle because this is this is probably daring to dream to be honest with you you know would would you have expected a couple of years ago Tommy Coyle to be going in there against a guy who you know who's been in with some of the best you've got to think of Algieri he's been in with the Americans the Ruslan Prodkanovs he's been in with Manny Pacquiao this guy's been in with legit world fighters he's been in with Errol Spence Jr not to forget him as well do you know this is a guy who's been in with some of the most quality operators out there at the moment so i'm thinking that tommy has got a, a very very difficult task on his hands on saturday night and and possibly this could be him daring to dream a little bit too much going into this one I, I'm, a, I'm a bit i'm a bit apprehensive about it i mean looking at the size difference between the two of them it's 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 quite a lot i mean if you look at them on the scales and you look at them face to face it's it's quite a big difference to be honest with you and it does concern me a little bit that Algieri is actually a quality operator he's just obviously lost to higher level opponents than himself is tommy coyle going to be able to get on the inside and cause an upset and ruffle the feathers of Algeria. I think he, it's quite possible he can do. We've seen him. We've seen he's, he, the guy's got heart to match anybody's heart. This guy's got heart all day long. But you've got to think of his his, his last few fights. Is he obviously beat Raheem Noble. He beat Sean Dodd, and obviously on his uh, on his US debut in Boston, he'd be a good experienced fighter, who'd had 32 fights in Ryan Kosweski, if I'll pronounce that right, but yeah, he's got them experiences now as of recent times to be able to then take this into a fight with Algeria but for me he's a next level fighter in terms of what Tommy Coyle's used to being in the ring with so it's going to be a difficult night for Tommy Coyle who do I see winning this I got the feeling Algeria's going to win this to be honest, I really do, I think Algeria's a is a huge level above the fighters that Tommy Coyle's been in the ring with and I think that that kind of sums it up for me really I think when you look at it from the outset you look at Algeria against Coyle you wouldn't have expected this type of a fight to have happened I I love the fact he's got the opportunity to push himself at the world level I do I really do but I can't see anything other than Chris Algeria winning this fight on Saturday night that's pretty, pretty much sums up 
the card for Saturday night. And I think my final thoughts on this particular card is that people have people have slated it. People have said, oh, it's a shit card, it's crap, it's this, it's that. You've got to look at it from a different perspective here. Look at it from the perspective of, we've got, what, one, two, three, four, five, six British fighters on there. I think that's... I think that's really good. I think that's something to, 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 to behold the fact that we're going over to America and we've got six fighters on, on a card headlined by a British heavyweight world champion. I think that's great. I don't think it's a shit card. I just think people are slating it because they don't feel some of the the, the matches are totally 100% the way they should be. But I don't, think I don't think it's a bad card. I don't think there's some bad matchups there, if I'm being totally honest. I really don't. I think it's good good experiences for a lot of these guys who can then tick a box in their careers. And I think that's where it's going, to be honest with you. And I think you've got to think about marketability of these fighters going forward. If they can say they've been and fought you know, in America, in, in, in New York, and they've been able to go on the card of British heavyweight champion, world champions fight, it's, it's a tick in the box for them all. That's the way I see things. But people see it differently, and, and everyone's entitled to their opinion on that. So then, in other news, just been confirmed, well, I say confirmed, I say it's been spoke about on social media, that Deontay Wilder has apparently signed to rematch Tyson Fury in 2020. A fight which we didn't think may happen again anytime soon. Looks like it might be happening early next year. So... Really excited for that one if that does come off and obviously there'll be a lot of chitter chatter about that on social media. We'll see what happens but not to overshadow what this podcast episode is all about. Today we're speaking about Anthony Joshua versus Andy Ruiz Jr. Will he be successful in his heavyweight debut? Will he continue to reign supreme in the heavyweight division? Tune in on Saturday and find out. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.